Welcome to the Sample Chapter Podcast, the show where authors read a sample chapter from one of their books. Here's your host, Jason A. Meiske. Hello, my friends. Welcome to episode 211 of the Sample Chapter Podcast. Hey, this week we are having a sit-down chat with suspense thriller crime mystery author Lori Buchanan. Uh, Lori and I have a fantastic chat with a lot of laughs. We are talking about the incredible inspiration behind her character of the Sean McPherson novels, you know, and then building a world around that inspiration. We're talking about bringing real life hobbies and and actual life facts into your story, exposing the villain right away, and how how do you build a thriller when you when you show the reader who the villain is. And making up books within the book. That and so much more is coming up. It is a fantastic chat. And let me tell you, you've got a, uh, a short but very intriguing reading, uh, sample reading from her that's sure to pique your interest. So stay tuned for that chat with Lori Buchanan coming up here in just a couple of moments. Well, as for me, uh, not too much to uh, to tell, honestly. I've been just kind of neck deep in trying to get my desktop computer that I that I run this show out of uh, trying to get that thing working it it uh, crashed on me like two weeks ago I had a power surge uh, repeated power surge here at the house and it's kind of messed up a few things uh, namely amongst them my uh, my desktop computer that I do the show from like I said and it it has been giving me fits ever since so today I'm actually running Everything off of my laptop. I, I had to cancel some other interviews. I uh, didn't have one last week. And then uh, doing this today off my laptop. I uh, had to move software over to my laptop. And, you know, and I, I don't know about other writers, but like, you know, a lot of us have, have things where it's like you like to write on a certain device or you like to do things in a certain way. And that's kind of how I have been with this show is I do the show from my desktop have it all there. I occasionally will edit on my laptop, but mostly I just do my writing on my laptop, uh, my writing and, uh, you know, anything writing related. But here lately I've had to do everything from the laptop and that has been an education. Let me tell you, (laughs) um, on top of that, the trouble with that, um, I ended up not going to Kansas City Comic Con this year. Looks like it was a fantastic time. I, had a lot of author friends there, uh, some uh, some of my other friends, like uh, Pop Culture Culture Network family. They were there uh, doing a whole lot of uh, panels and other such. I actually ended up having to work. This is uh, my busy time of year, so it was kind of bad timing for the uh, for the con. But, uh, you know, I'm looking forward to next year because next year it's going to be in March, and that works much better into my schedule. So looking forward to next year and getting over to the Comic-Con. I guess on a positive note, though, one of the things I've had so much, so much work being done, you know, working on computers and and then my regular day job stuff here lately, a lot of responsibilities with that. But I did take some time. I've done a little bit of writing here and there, and uh, I did revamp my own author website here recently. Uh, I got to looking at it and realized, wow, I haven't updated anything for a while. It was uh, my last update was talking about Bandit Rising uh, coming out soon, <laughs> which it came out last year. So, yeah, it was time to go through and revamp it, uh, updated some pictures, changed out some things, and even included a section where you can order an autographed copy uh, for those of you here in the U.S. anyway. 
Uh, unfortunately, I don't have anything set up for overseas at this time, but maybe in the future. Anyway, it, uh, I think it turned out well, and uh, I'm, in, I'm enjoying the new website. So if you get a chance, uh, hop on over to jasonamiski.com and uh, let me know what you think. All right, well, uh, not going to spend a whole lot of time talking about anything else today. Uh, let's get on over to our, let's go ahead and begin thanking our sponsors, starting with Scrivener, the number one writing software made for writers by writers. And uh, they've been a longtime sponsor of the show and uh, the software that I use every day with all of my writing. Check out this advertisement for how you can save 20% on the regular desktop version. Jason here. Hey, I wanted to take a moment and tell you about my favorite writing tool, Scrivener. Now, I know you've heard about Scrivener because their writing software has been embraced by hundreds of thousands of other writers like you and I, from the novice to best-selling novelists. The reason we all use it is because of Scrivener's core concept to bring all the writing tools you use together in a single application. And with tools like automatic backup, character maps, project goals, and let's not forget that amazing corkboard, you can see why I use Scrivener every day. As a bonus for Sample Chapter Podcast listeners, use code CHAPTER for 20% off your desktop version. Scrivener Writing Software, built by writers for writers. All right, thank you once again to Scrivener. Uh, I also want to thank our affiliate, the uh, writersblockcoffee.com. Writers Block Coffee has got three delicious flavors. Uh, my favorite amongst them, the Whiskey Barrel Aged Blend. Uh, fantastic. That's where they actually have the beans in an old whiskey barrel. So it's soaking in the flavors. That's where they, they set it in there and let it roast or let it, you know, just kind of seep into the flavor. And it's fantastic. It's my personal favorite. But if you're not interested into that, maybe uh, you like to stay up late. There's the Deadline Dark Blend, which is a very, very rich blend. Uh, it's uh, sure to uh, pump you up full of caffeine and keep you up at all hours. And then they have the signature uh, Writer's Block Blend, uh, which is just their, their average, their regular uh, cup of joe. And uh, it's also a very good flavor and a very good cup of coffee. Hey, don't forget, uh, you can click that link in the show notes for uh, to get right on over using our link. Or go to writersblockcoffee.com and enter coupon code sample chapter and save 10% on your first order. Finally, I want to thank once again, my friends over at pop goes the culture network home to about 10 or so uh, other shows, all of them pop culture related and all of them incredible and lots and lots of fun. And make sure you uh, click that link in the show notes so that you can hop on over to that page because they are popping up all over all over the state of uh, Missouri here recently and uh, going to a couple of other state conventions uh, here in the uh, in the coming weeks. So you want to make sure you get on over there and check out some of their panels. They are a lot of fun. Uh, they're based out of Springfield, Missouri, and I know i got a lot of author friends down there as well. So, so make sure you click that link and uh, check them out, guys. All right, well, hey, without further ado, it's time to get on over to our interview with, with the lovely and deadly <laughs> Lori. Buchanan. <laughs> Hello, Sample Chapter listeners. Hey, today we are heading up to the Pacific Northwest to a conversation with 
suspense, thriller, and crime mystery author, Lori Buchanan. Lori is a cross between Dr. Doolittle, Nanny McPhee, and a type A Buddhist. Buchanan is an active listener, observer of details, a payer of attention, reader and writer of books, kindness enthusiast, and a red licorice aficionado. I've never gotten to say any of that before, so I could not <laughs> wait to read that. <laughs> Welcome to the show, Lori Buchanan. Thank you for having me. It is my joy to, uh, to have you on the show. How are you doing? I'm doing good. We've got some sunshine out there today in Boise, Idaho. Woohoo! Yes. Oh my gosh. It's, it's almost 80 here in Missouri today. Oh my gosh. And it was, it was like 46, just three or four days ago. Oh my gosh. It, it's just changing fast. I'm in shorts and uh, it's nice though. I'm looking forward to enjoying a little bit of sun. Good deal. Well, uh, so let's see here. So you are, uh, you write in these, these thrillers, the uh, Sean McPherson novels, yep. and uh, you've been doing this for a little bit now. How, where, where did uh, Sean, like, where did that idea come from? I was actually writing a nonfiction book at Hedgebrook, which is a women's writing retreat off the coast of Seattle. And I had come outside for a break. And in the distance, I saw this attractive man pushing a wheelbarrow and he had a distinct limp. And in my mind, I just, my mind jumped to, oh my gosh, he's about the age of somebody who might've gotten hurt in Afghanistan. And then I tucked that little seed away and continued writing my nonfiction book. And that's where he originally came from. And uh, Pines and Quill, which is the writing retreat in my suspense thrillers is very Hedgebrook-esque. Uh, the women there get the women if you're a writer in residence you get a little cabin and they're surrounded by thick trees and that's what happens at pines and quill although they're cottages as opposed to cabins and that's that's where it all happened oh my goodness that's that's incredible i i love how just the simplest little things it was unusual to see a man because this is a writing retreat and he was the groundskeeper I'm assuming again I made this whole thing up I just assumed <laughs> he's a groundskeeper because he was pushing a wheelbarrow with you know landscaping stuff in it but this distinct limp and just because of the age and the I, I just I went to that in my mind tucked it away and boom here we go wow now, did that, uh, did you already have an idea for, nope. you know, the story idea or did it just, it just all evolve from that? It all evolved from that. And it wasn't until wow. many years later, because I wrote another nonfiction book. I have two out. And then it was after that, I decided, you know, while nonfiction is, is, is nice, um, I want to, I want to create my own world. I want to. Uh, I want to be the driver. I don't want to just parrot facts in a creative way. Mm -hmm. And so I, I switched. And sometimes that doesn't work for authors. In my case, it did. And I'm very grateful. Oh, my gosh. I love that. I See, for me, one of my inspirations was I had a story, kind of an idea, but I didn't know how it was going to work or what mm -hmm. what I was going to do with it. And I spent a few days just kind of trying to think about it but I just I was just hitting a wall with it I had no idea I was like I don't even know if this is really an idea and I went to book club and it uh <laughs> I was there and somebody was reading from their work 
and I kept it kept that same story idea kept hitting me and I was having a hard time keeping up with the other authors in the room and I just started looking around the room and I see somebody they they read a section of it that had something disturbing happening and I saw somebody made this face and that did it for me I all (laughs) of a sudden knew what the story was what was going to happen and how it was going to work and it just the, everything just came out of me after that Click, and it was, clicked into place that's yeah. wonderful and it was just like oh my gosh just just from a look and of course you know the writing group ever since then they're like well who who made the look like no no i'm not telling anybody <laughs> anything nobody's gonna know and <clears throat> yeah it it was it was fun though but it's amazing how a writer's mind works and you just maybe it's a smell maybe it's it's somebody walking with a limp and uh, right. the, you start building that story around it well so what uh, what what is one of the like most surprising thing about uh, about your books? I mean, it, it's interesting that you've gone from nonfiction into fiction, but what what what's been a surprising aspect of that for you with the jump or? I think that the most surprising thing from the point of view of the readers is that I let you know right away who the bad guy or gal is. That's where the thriller suspense part comes in. So a mystery, the the reader typically doesn't know who done it, why done it until the very end. But I let people know right up front and I I play off that Mm -hmm. because in your mind, you're your own worst, oh my gosh, don't open the door. Oh my gosh, because you know what's behind the door. But the characters in the book don't know. And I leverage that for all it's worth. So that's that's probably the most surprising thing. I didn't realize I was going to let people know when I started writing this. And I thought, no, because you can play on a person's own worst fears. And then that makes the book scarier and more suspenseful. And so that's, I think, the most surprising thing for me. Oh, wow. Now, have, have you always been um, a, a lover of like suspense, thrillers, all that? Yes, always. And I've always been a reader. I read um, at least two and a half books a week. I review every book. Unless if if I can give a book three or more stars, I review. If I can't say something nice, my mother always said, if you can't say something nice, just keep your mouth shut. Then I don't, I don't review it. I don't say I read it or anything. But for the most part, I, I, you know, post a review for every book I write, and it's usually suspense thrillers, not always. I like mystery as well, um, and, and I, I'll read sometimes if, if I'm so bogged down in something that's, I don't read horror, that's that's a different thing altogether, and I'm not a, a science fiction, that doesn't do it for me, although I, you know, I, I appreciate it very much, but it's not, it's not something that, that floats my boat and that I want to invest that much time in. So I, I, I do a lot of reading and I, and I love it. And I always have. Oh, that's great. Yeah. But, but you haven't, I mean, have you always been a writer though? Not always. I mean, I, I started right. I, when I was a kid in high school and college, I, I wrote music, I wrote songs and I tried to write articles. Those didn't get picked up until I had a PhD after my name. Um, but they, they eventually did, but I, I, I gave it, I gave that up because they didn't get picked up, but then, but then years and years later, it all fell into place. Wonderful. Yeah, and and you says in your bio on your website that you're a photographer as well. Yes, and that you love to take uh, your camera with you everywhere. How much? How often does that play into uh, your writing today? It a, a lot. So first of all, it it I take 
three two-mile walks each day. So I walk six miles a day with my camera. And on Instagram, those the anything you see on Instagram is my my photograph. In the second book, um, Iconoclast, I have a photographer as one of the writers in residence. And she also happens to uh, have just received a cochlear implant. She had been deaf and she had a cochlear implant and she's a photographer and she's from the Chicago area. And that is based on my photography and my sister um, had 90% loss of hearing in one ear and 100% in another ear. She's fully hearing today, but when she was a child. And so I, I leveraged off that for one of my characters. Oh, very neat. Yeah. What, what does your uh, family think of your writing? Uh, my family uh, says, don't, don't be locked in a dark room with Lori. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, how in the world? Typically speaking, I'm sweet, loving, kind, and thoughtful. So for people who know me to read this, they're like, oh my gosh, how do you sleep at night? Are you just up plotting and scheming? And, and I'm not, um, but, but yeah, it's just completely, it's a completely different compartment, I guess. <laughs> oh my gosh. I, I remember, um, I got to be careful here how I say this. Uh, <laughs> an author that I know, uh, an, an older woman, she's older than me, and a very, very sweet woman. And uh, I, I was like, oh, well, let me read one of your books. And um, I can't wait to uh, check it out. And I was not expecting so much sex and violence. <laughs> and, it, <laughs> and I was like, oh, my. And, and it was it was quite graphic. And I, <laughs> And I, I, I saw her later at a, at a book signing and I said, well, you, uh, you fooled me. I, uh, <laughs> I was not expecting that. And, and she just laughed. She was like, well, your face is telling the whole story. You're a little red right now. I was like, that's oh, funny. Oh my goodness. But that's, uh, but that's great though, that they, uh, that just sounds like they're supportive of you though. Oh, very much so. Good, good. Now, how often are they coming to you with uh, ideas and, oh, you know what you could add into that? No, no, none. They oh. they don't because I have my own. Uh, I row my own boat. I always have, and and people are very, very, very aware of that. Well, my family. I mean, if a if somebody who wasn't my family came up to me, I'd smile and shake my head and not pay any attention. But but I wouldn't. I I have my own thing going on here. <laughs> now you. Growing up, I, I had seen where you you had lots of ideas of what you wanted to do from being a magician, yep. international spy, mad yep. scientist. How much of that are we going to get to see throughout the uh, Sean McPherson novels? Or I think you'll see a little bit of it. I've got in book five, um, there is a magician. Mm. Um, mad scientist, I do a lot of um, my forensic type research you get to to combine some very interesting things um i belong to the idaho writers guild who hosts um a mystery academy each month and we get to go to the morgue we get to see uh, we get to talk with dna specialists we get to, we get to see and do some of the coolest stuff and especially in forensics and the, the chemistry involved if you're gonna if you're gonna kill a person and don't want it traceable how do you how do you do that or you want it <laughs> natural like you can grind cherry pits grind them powder fine um and that's not gonna 
trip anything in an autopsy and then the person is dead. So you, 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 that mad scientist part of me comes out with that. <laughs> oh, I love that. That, that kind of makes me think of uh, the author's um, search engine uh, or search history. Oh, yes. Yeah. Don't, don't look at that, especially when it comes to the Oh thriller, yeah, thriller authors. <laughs> I'm sure that the FBI has tabs on me. It looks it it looks bad. It looks very. <laughs> well, so one of the things I, I caught on before you were talking about how you like to share the villain right away. Yes. Um, and I th I find that fascinating. I think I think you're right. I think that actually heightens the experience even more. Now, how do you use that? going forward to create a, uh, a story that that does keep the reader on edge because they the readers know the the readers know but the characters don't so they're rooting for the characters they know what's in in this case your first name jason hughes in the first book is is the antagonist he is the bad guy you know right from the beginning and he is a psychopath very very different from a sociopath very different from a narcissist he's a psychopath and um so psychopaths are are difficult to 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 tell apart from someone else. Sociopaths aren't. Sociopaths make mistakes. They don't plan ahead. They leave a trail. Psychopaths plan and scheme and plot and are charming. They, they, they work at it. And, and so the readers know this and they're like, you know, screaming to the characters, watch out. Don't know. <laughs> don't go on a walk in the woods with him. You know, that kind of a thing. And, and it, it just enhances the reader's experience and how I can get away with things because they know, but the characters don't know. And so it, it's, it plays into it hand in glove beautifully. And in fact, my books start out, people think, oh my gosh, I thought this was supposed to be a suspense thriller. It's a cozy. And pretty quickly you realize you've gone from sweet, loving, kind, and thoughtful to mean, ugly, vile, and vicious. <laughs> <laughs> My wife has kind of spoiled me. Uh, I used to be just perfectly fine waiting to the end and to find out the big reveal. And for the most part, I can still wait. You know, I, I'm patient enough to wait and see what things. And my wife, no, it's it's too aggravating. It's too much <laughs> tension. She wants to jump to the back and find out or if oh. it's a movie. Yeah, or if it's a movie that she hasn't seen, but I have. She's like pausing and, okay, are they going to be together? Or what's, you know. <laughs> what's going to happen. And I got, and I have to let her know, I can't just like wait on cause she'll, she'll be right. too worked up to really right. focus on it. Oh but my once God. She, yeah. But once she knows, then she can enjoy the rest of the story. See, there you go. So, and I, I, I get that sometimes I kind of understand I'm like, Oh, okay, great. We, we waited in line for the last Harry Potter book. Oh gosh. When was that? 15 years ago. Yes. Yes. And on our way home, she jumped to the back of it and read that, but then she wouldn't <laughs> tell me what happened <laughs> so, so, oh okay well that's, that's fine <laughs> that's funny so all right so you had book one came out uh to high praise you've, you've done really well uh i think it's even won some awards book two is actually coming out the day this episode drops yes. uh, which is amazing but you just mentioned book five a minute ago yes so so that it's I am under contract for seven right now. Um, book three is impervious. Book four I'm writing right now, iniquity. Then we go from iniquity to illusory. Then we go to insidious. 
and then on from there. And I'm thinking about one in Alaska. I did a rod. All of my books are I letter words, four syllable I letter <laughs> words. I have no idea why. It just, <laughs> I, it, I wanted some kind of a, a thing, not a gimmick, but a thing, my signature. What, what, what would it be? And it's four letter I words. So it's, it's whatever the four letter I word is, a Sean McPherson novel, book one, book two, book three, book four, book seven, book 30, whatever. Um, and so, yes, I've, I've got those going on in my head. Perfect. I like that. That's wonderful. How long does it take you to, uh, to write one? A year. And, and so to, to, to kick them out every spring, uh, that's, that's what the contract is. It's, uh, it's brutal. It's fun. It's, it's a fun brutal, but it is, it's, it's, it's work. It is a lot of stinking work mm. and good thing. I enjoy it. Otherwise I'd throw in the towel, but I really, really enjoy it. I really enjoy the research. The book that I'm writing now has a Mariner pilot in it. My husband's an airplane pilot, quite mm. different from piloting a boat. And I'm learning so much. I have to research. I have to decide who are the four writers and residents that are going to be at Pines and Quill for this particular month. Mm -hmm. And, and what, what do they do? Or what did they just retire from? What are the titles of their books? What are their books about? It's hard enough coming up with your own title, let alone four book titles that are viable and, and good. You have to, you know, you, you have <laughs> yeah. to have them good. So um, a lot of research goes into it. And so while I don't have nightmares at night at all, um, my mind is constantly spinning. I sleep with my phone right next to me so I can hit the record button and say, you know, uh, change, reverberate to hover, uh, whatever it might be. Mm. And I, I, then I play it back in the morning, type it, whatever it was I said, and incorporate it either into what I'm currently writing or as an idea. I like it. Okay. Yeah, I, I don't think I could use my phone or voice that because my wife would hear that and oh, right. I would be in trouble. <laughs> uh, but I, but I, I can I can get on there. I've got it dimmed at night so I can get on there and make a note so I can yes. do something like that. But <clears throat> that's great. Well, uh, so what can you uh, what can you tell us about Iconoclast? What uh, what can we expect from uh, book two? So book two, Iconoclast, the, the first big thing that happens, happens on a whale watching cruise in the San Juan Islands. And the cover has kiln, K-I-L-N, light. They don't call it lighthouse. They just call it kiln light. It's a real place. And um, I had gone on a whale watching cruise and uh, I thought, oh, oh, what if there is um, something that goes terribly wrong? So if I were to give you just a few word summary, it would be two lovers on deck, one sniper on shore, no way off. And that's what happens. And then from there, the chase is on. And um, that is what happens in the Pacific Northwest. Um, we will go far afield in book three, Impervious. We are in the bayou in New Orleans. And then we end up in San Francisco. We'll always start at Pines and Quill. We'll always come back, which is in Bellingham, Washington. Pines and Quill is fictitious. It's all in my head. Mm. Uh, Bellingham, Washington is very, very real. It's north of Seattle, just south of the Canadian border, right on the water. So when you've got Bellingham Bay, then you've got Puget Sound, then you've got the Pacific Ocean. The San Juans are in there. So in my mind, the crime boss, Giorgio the Bull Gambino, it's the perfect place to run um, 
ammunition, guns, drugs, and people. He does uh, trafficking of human beings. And it's the perfect place for this. Now, I'm sure Bellingham, the, the Chamber of Commerce, probably doesn't like me very much. <laughs> Actually, that's not true. We get along just fine. It's brought in a lot of fun stuff. Village Book supports me there. The has historic Fairhaven in Bellingham. We get along great. But to me, you know, the first time I went there, these books were not going to take place there. They were going to take place on the Columbia River, just across from Portland, Oregon, in, in Camas, and right in that area, Washougal and Vancouver. And then I went to speak in Edmonds, Washington at a writing thing conference. And I went to Bellingham afterwards. And the minute I, I passed the sign, welcome to Bellingham, it, that was all it took. I knew that it would happen there instead. So I, I, I changed things and it is ideal. It is ideal. Oh, that, I love it. I love it when it all comes together like that mm -hmm. and, and that you have the vision to see it and, and, you know that here's the puzzle piece that you were looking for. Exactly. <laughs> that is awesome. Well, uh, where can uh, where can people find and follow you? Uh, they can find me at lauriebuchanan.com. Lori is L-A-U-R-I-E, Buchanan, B-U-C-H-A-N-A-N.com. And from there, you can see links to Instagram and Facebook and Twitter. Wonderful. All right. And yeah, everybody, I'm going to make sure to have links for that in the show notes. So you can, of course, you know, hear this today, hear the sample and then go grab, uh, if you don't already have book one, grab book one and then get book two because it's available today. Everybody go get that. Lori, thank you so much. This has been wonderful. I've, I've, I feel like I could just sit here and talk with you all day. I had so many things I'm like, oh, I can't bring that up because it's going to lead into more conversation. Uh, Got to keep a uh, schedule with this, but I've had a blast talking to you. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. It's my pleasure. All right, ladies and gentlemen, time for me to step aside with my writer's block coffee and hand the floor over to my guest, Lori Buchanan with Iconoclast, book two of the Sean McPherson novels. I'm just going to read a little bit from the prologue, just enough to whet your appetite. Here we go. Forgive me, Father, for I'm about to sin. A suppressor muffles the sound of six consecutive rounds fired below the screen through the thin wooden partition separating saint from sinner in the confession booth. As Father Patty's body slumps to the floor, the iconoclast slips out a back door. Rounding the corner, she does a tactical scan to ensure there's no one around, all clear. She looks up to make sure the black sock she put over the security camera is still there, in place. She removes the oversized trench coat and pulls off a short gray wig, mustache, and beard. She rolls them along with her gun and suppressor into the coat and tucks everything into the briefcase. Before getting into the car she borrowed from Vito, she places the briefcase on the floor behind the driver's seat. As she pulls away from the curb, she smiles. Huh. I entered St. Barnabas as an old man. I left as a woman. Now, if that's not a miracle, I don't know what is. Okay, that was Lori Buchanan reading a little sample chapter from book two of the Sean McPherson novels, Iconoclast. Hey, the book is available right now as you're listening to this. So click the link in the show notes for Lori's website, the book, and uh, yeah, pick up book one while you're at it. Don't forget to also click the link in the show notes for my uh, podcast friends, 
sponsors and the coffee affiliate there at Ryder's Block Coffee. And hit that subscribe button so that you don't miss out next week when I'm back with an all-new author, a new book, and a brand new sample chapter. Take care, everybody. 